think that says something. Yeah. Uh, so you were kind of sharing with me the other day when we met up, you were kind of sharing at our table just how you were describing the Gen Z church. Yeah. So that's, I mean, who would you say the Gen Z church is? What is, how would you describe it? What does it look like? Yeah. Uh, coming from your perspective as a youth pastor, mm-hmm. working with the Gen Z church, I mean, what, yeah. what are you seeing? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's really interesting because, like, from my perspective, like, I kind of work with, like, the the whole range of Gen Z, right? Yeah. Like, it seems like more, like, Gen Z finds identity in, like, almost smaller groups yeah. than, like, church, yeah. right? So, like, Gen Z church is a little smaller than, definitely smaller than Boomer Church. Yeah, yeah. Boomer Church is, like, Capital C Church. Uh-huh. If you go to church on Sunday, you're a follower of Jesus just like me. Uh-huh. Whereas Gen Z is like, well, if I don't know you, uh-huh. I'm not going to... I'm not, I don't think I'm one with you. Uh-huh. Like, like I have to That's know good. you. You have to be yeah, yeah. in my corner. You have to be in my group uh-huh. to be my church, right? So, like, yeah. for Gen Z, wow. when, if you were to ask Gen Z and say, like, who's your church? Yeah. Like, who is the church to you? Exactly. They'd be like, they could name 10 people uh-huh. and be like, this, like, my small group on Wednesday nights, Sunday nights. Yeah. That's my church. Exactly. Whereas, like, you know, like a boomer or even a Gen X would say, like, like Canyon Springs is my church. Eagle uh-huh. Christian is my church. Yeah, yeah. Rock Harbor is my church. Yeah. You know, like, and you get older, it's like, well, if you're a Christian, and then you exactly. get even older, and it's like, well, are you a Republican? <laughs> like, you know, you know, and it's like that's my church, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, <clears throat> I don't know. It almost seems to me like that church gets <laughs> smaller and smaller with with yeah. the generations, right? So it's like. Huh. What is the Gen Z church? I yeah. don't know. I, I wonder if it's just more individualistic than that. If it's like, yeah. you know, you could ask. It's kind of like you could ask my group of people. Yeah, you yeah, could ask my, each Gen Z, and they would give you a different yeah answer, right? Like, the answer gets more complex the, the younger the generation. Yeah. It seems like uh, for sure. That, that and that's that. another word. Yeah, smaller. Smaller. I mean, you doesn't could have to say, be bad. Yeah, it doesn't have to be bad. That could be. It's a. It's a more intimate thing. Yeah. So. And, that, yeah. and I think that's big, especially as you're going through. So, I mean, obviously we went from like the boomers to Gen X and then we have the millennials. And in that, definitely within that millennial phase, it's it's where they say that X to millennial phase is where the world became more connected oh, yeah. than we've ever been because of the yeah. internet yeah. and social media and everything. But then at the same time, that's where we became the most disconnected. Yeah, totally. um, And I think that a lot of that was that individual drive yeah. of m- millennials. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you get Gen Z, and it's like, there's even more connectivity, but it's almost like Gen Z's actually found a way to find a real community yeah. online. Whereas that's millennials, yeah. there was a little difference. I'm wondering, how would you see that difference playing out when it comes to the church itself? Yeah. So you have this polished image that millennials feed off of, yeah. and they feel like they have to keep a polished image. Whereas with Gen Z, it's kind of, it's, it's raw. It's, yeah. you know, this is who I am, and like we can build a relationship off of it or not. Yeah. Uh, so with that, how does that translate into the church itself? Because I think a big thing that a lot of I'm hearing more and more pushback on is the church being too manufactured, being too polished and things kind of needing to be too perfect, so to speak. Uh, 
Is that something you have heard or felt pushback on from Gen Z when you're working with them as youth and, and the young adults? Yeah, they definitely value being real yeah. and like are really turned off to anyone who's not real. Exactly. You know, so when it comes to the church, like, you know, you get a lot of church going people yeah. who are millennials, X, you know, yeah. boomers, boomers, like yeah. who just go to church uh-huh. and that's it. Yeah. And you know, I, I really do think that Gen Z is turned off to that because yeah. like Gen Z says, okay, but what are you doing? Mm. Like as the church, what are you doing? Yeah. In so in society, what are you doing? doing. How are you impacting people? That's, you know, and they don't necessarily have all those words. No, but that's how they're. But that's what they're looking at. And, that's, yeah. and you present them with an opportunity to to impact somebody mm-hmm. in our community. Yeah, and they jump at it. Yeah, right. And it and it means a lot to them because mm-hmm. they're like, I care a lot about being real. Like yeah. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Okay, what How? do I do? Yeah, exactly. So tell me what I do it's, then. It's not just a saying or a feeling. It's 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 also yeah. action. I don't want to think about that. that. Yeah. I want to I want to do something about that. Right? Exactly. So like, that's kind of the difference. Is if you don't get them engaged wow. in serving, they they drop off quick. You mm. know. One thing that I've commented on is that I think when high schoolers leave and become young adults when they leave the high school church, the youth group, and they start gaining more exposure to the real world mm-hmm. and, and the church at large, they become, uh, I don't know if disillusion's the right word, where they, they start to really see the flaws. Mm-hmm. They start to see the kind of what you've been pointing out that Gen Z is seeing yeah. is the hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, and, and that turns them away. Yeah. Uh, so would you say that plays into it, especially with, you know, like you were saying, what's happened the last four to 10 years yeah. socially, yeah. the deconstruction that's happening. I think that they're kind of in that process constantly of like, yeah. I don't know. Even in middle school and even in high school. Yeah. Where this seems there's something going on here uh-huh. where Jesus says, love the poor. Jesus says, Jesus stops at the well and talks to the Samaritan woman, yeah. somebody whose society looked at and as outcast, right? Yeah. Jews looked at her as a, as a woman and, and, and saw her as outcast. Yeah. Jews looked at her as, as a Samaritan, a Samaritan yeah. as an outcast, right? Jews looked at her as somebody who was married multiple times and saw her, and as, saw an her as an outcast. That's three strikes right there. And that's three strikes and you're out, brother. <laughs> right? And like, but like, Jesus walked up to her and, and mm. just started talking. And yeah. was like, hey, can I have water? Can you help me? Me, exactly. Right? Can you wow do this for me? Wow, and, and I, I think that's big that the well, Jesus yeah, of all like people Jesus, would say, "Can right? you do something for me? Can you, you help you me?" Teach out? that to Gen Z, and Gen Z says, "Well, why is the church not doing that?" Mm. Then Gen Z says, "Well, why why are there why does the religious right yeah vote against things like that? Mm. Why does the you know why does the religious right you know right like why do they say that women can't?" be preachers or mm-hmm. like why can't women be pastors or you know th- yeah. these are the questions that they're asking right yeah. they're saying like Jesus valued women more than society did yeah. and now it was like for a long time 
Jesus and the early early formation of the church and the people yeah. who followed Jesus, they were on the cutting edge of social justice, right? Yeah. Like they were trying to tell the world, hey, like women have value. Yeah. Hey, like don't be racist. Exactly. Like, like <laughs> the church was on the cutting edge of a lot of wow. those social justice exactly. things. Whereas like there's almost been a flip lately and obviously there's got to be a balance there, right? Yeah. There's got to be a balance of like, you know, at what point does culture go too far? Exactly. Of course. Yeah. But like, for a long time, of course, like, Jesus and the apostles were on the cutting edge yeah. of those social justice things. Yeah. And then like, even through the civil rights movement, right? Yeah. I was going to say, Jr., I mean, not even like, just the no, Jesus and the apostles, yeah. but you look throughout world history. Yeah. And, and you see so the church often on yeah. the cutting edge of social justice. Yeah. And the last 10 years, uh-huh. It seems like especially conservative Christians and Christian nationalists have yeah. gone the opposite, right? They've mm. undercut culture in the opposite direction yeah. and said, we need to stop, right? This is what church is. Yeah. And they look at church as whatever they grew up in. Mm. Whereas Gen Z says, are you missing what Jesus said? Yeah. Like, wow. this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus did. Why is the church not doing this? Exactly. And they say, I don't think I belong here. Like, I maybe I'm okay with this Jesus guy because Mm -hmm. what you're telling me about this Jesus guy that seems cool but I don't identify as a Christian because Mm. I don't look like a Christian Wow! because I want to be there for those people that a lot of Christians are saying don't aren't worth it right or a lot of Christians are voting against right like so I think for Gen Z, it's a constant process of asking those critical questions. How, like, how do I follow Jesus, like, yeah. but at the same time, I don't want to be identified with this group of yeah. people who are literally called by his name, yeah. Christians, yeah. you know? And, so, wow. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I think it's more of a process where, yeah. like, maybe they do just continue going to church when they're in high school because they have friends and youth yeah. group is cool and youth group uh-huh. is fun and like they love their leader and they you know and then they graduate and they leave and I think you know I'm, you know maybe there are just more of them that haven't made their faith their own yeah. because of a lot of those things but like yeah. maybe they know even earlier than like some previous generations right like that, they've when they've been like yeah. When I'm out of youth group, I'm probably not I'm coming not. back. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder if maybe that process is just, it's an earlier process now yeah. where it's like they're just deconstructing early as, while they're in this, right? Whereas some of the later Gen Z, they maybe did graduate and realize, uh-huh. huh, I don't know. I don't know if this yeah. was ever my own. Yeah, and, and with then, millennials and yeah. Yeah, so forth. Yeah. But, and then, like, they're hearing all of these things socially, right? Like, you know especially the last few years obviously yeah. you know like the way that the church responded to George Floyd yeah. and like you know the way that the church respond has obviously always responded to LGBT rights yeah. and like you know what like Gen Z is just not about that and a lot of it does come with um, the genuine community community that they find online yeah. with people that are outside of their outside of that bubble their current bubble yeah. right because they're like, finding genuine community yeah. with people, with people uh, from all cultures, all cultures, di- different yeah. races yeah. and different sexual preferences, yeah. and, and they're just yeah. being friends. And they're like, they're like, man, I've been, I've been following this one comedian for a long time, and like, they're gay. Is yeah. that? Are you saying that that's bad? Yeah. And they're like, I don't feel like that's bad mm. because. And so they're I asking. Like this yeah, they're asking the tough questions. And they're just like, "So what is? What do you mean?" Yeah. And, and like, 
you know, and then there's there's some that are like, okay, I know that this isn't God's design. I know mm-hmm. that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I still don't feel like Sorry. I have any desire to treat them like I'm seeing a lot of maybe older mm-hmm. religious right, religious conservative, Christian nationalist people are treating them right? yeah. like they're still humans. Yeah. Because they've interacted with them in a mm-hmm. real way. Yeah. And had real community with them online. Yeah. And know them. Uh, so there's a difference there. Yeah. You know. So. And I feel like there's there's such a it's finding that balance of I mean we you often hear people talking about being able to love someone whether or not you agree with what they're doing mm-hmm. and being able especially as as younger men and women when you're a teenager and you're growing up trying to figure out how that works yeah. how can you disagree with how they identify themselves totally. and yet still love them yeah because there is real interaction happening yeah whereas like maybe previous generations who have not not had social media or maybe uh-huh. previous generations who um, haven't just haven't been great at real community on social yeah. media like, or haven't had that much exposure yeah, to or, yeah. people of, of sure. different backgrounds yeah. and different preferences I mean usually if you used to be I mean if you go back a couple of generations if you were the gay person in town everyone knew yeah, it for sure and you were treated some yeah. kind of way so totally. there it wasn't as socially acceptable yeah. at yeah. large so there wasn't as much interaction yeah I mean yeah it definitely wasn't personal in-person interaction yeah. but like there also, even if there was online interaction, it wasn't real community, yeah, right? Whereas exactly. now it's like, you might have a, a a white Christian kid in a white Christian family who's yeah. conservative. Like for me, lived in Middleton, they're conservative. Yeah. Maybe they're farmers, right? Uh-huh. But their kid has social media to some extent. Like <clears throat> their parents don't have any real community with anyone uh, who's LGBT or yeah. anyone who is of any minor ethnic minority yeah. right so when they vote against those kinds exactly. of social like their kids say like they think about their friend exactly right whereas people they have connected with yeah whereas yeah. the previous generation who hasn't had that like mm-hmm. they just know who's in their bubble they just uh-huh. know the other white christians that they go to church with yeah. you know um, and they know the the mock-up, the stereotype, the straw man that's, yeah. that's painted of the LGBT yeah. community. And, yeah, and then obviously the the stigma there, and like yeah. you know, I you know, I it's it's something that I've constantly wrestled with, like through high school, through college, of like yeah. what what's really going on there with like God's interaction with with that, and like yeah. God's design, and what you know. Obviously, God has an ideal. He created the world exactly. in a certain way. He created men and women in certain ways, right? But, like, that's something I've always wrestled with. Yeah. Whereas, like, there are a lot of Christians who are have always been afraid to wrestle with that because yeah. it makes them feel uncomfortable. Exactly. So, like, they, they've they just accepted that is sin. Mm-hmm. Some have accepted if you're gay, you go to hell, yeah. right? Um, and they just leave it at that yeah because the conversation is uncomfortable uh-huh. because they don't understand it because yeah. they don't know anybody who's gay yeah. they don't know anybody who is in any sort of ethnic minor- minority who yep. experience any sort of racism so it's easy for them to say like well it's just common sense like we made we made racism illegal in uh-huh. the 60s exactly. or whatever, you know like and, they're, they and then just, to they think that, it. that means it's gone. Yeah, because yeah. they've never interacted with somebody exactly. who has been in a community where 
you know, a lower income community or like, you know, whatever, where they've experienced some real hardship based on yeah. their background, right? Yeah. Like, because um, they just don't have the community. Whereas mm-hmm. Gen Z more and more just does. Yeah. And they have real community with a broader range of people. Exactly. That's not just where they're at. So socially, th- these kinds of things just start to become common sense to them. We're like, yeah. like, what? Like, if I vote this way, I hurt this individual. Uh-huh. That I know, yeah, personally. Uh-huh. So there's a there's more stake in that, right? So wow. And also, Jesus is showing love to these people, and on the cutting edge of social justice in all of these ways. And like the Christian right is not, yeah. Um, I guess I'm not a Christian. Uh huh. I don't identify there. I don't. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't identify, identify there. there. Wow. So I'm gonna deconstruct that uh-huh. and say, okay, so what have I learned? that now doesn't make sense to me, to me. Exactly. because and doesn't speak to who I am mm. and isn't who I am yeah and like I don't know that's that's a lot of where it comes from they just lump it all together and now they've just turned a blind eye to all of those other things and just all the said, things that may not be Christian yeah. <laughs> and they've just decided you know neither party is fully Christian right no, like absolutely not clear, like the gospel doesn't fit into either no. you know the cross doesn't fit into either so yeah. like you know, uh, how are you? How like how are people so comfortable in one yeah. or the other? Exactly. When the the gospel isn't, yeah. You know, the gospel, so, the cross, like it's, it's greater than both. Yeah, it, it's so, above all those things. So yeah, I don't um, know. I, I just I think there's there's some fault on either side, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Where you have like religious right who's defined things in this way, and then have just stuck there, and then yeah. the, and then Gen Z who is just really turned off by that yeah. and have said like well I guess I'm not Christian uh-huh. and they haven't actually taken the time to like separate those things yeah. and say okay well and they're they're caught in this tug and pull because there's not only a religious right there's also a religious left totally. yeah um, there's not only an extreme right but there's also yeah. an extreme left yeah. and so you're I think Gen Z more than any other generation is able to get stuck in that tug and pull yeah. because of like you said they have more interaction with yeah. people on different areas yeah. of that tug and pull. Totally. Um, yeah. Their I parents are, big. you know, religious right, and their friends are yeah religious left exactly. or, or not religious at all. You know. Uh-huh. So. And it, and you know it's interesting because um, I think it's 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 common to to view teenagers as fearing their peers more than fearing like adults Mm -hmm. and the formal structures of society organizations or whatever uh they so rather than be concerned with how the quote-unquote church looks at them or their church looks at them they're going to be more concerned with how their friends and their peers look at them yeah um so that's interesting especially being stuck in that tug and pull totally Uh, I think something you something you said earlier, I, I feel like deserves also being noted is that Jesus and the apostles, as you were saying, they're at the cutting edge of social justice. Yeah. Um, and today, so often, what's seen as the Christian party or the way the church does things is not at yeah. the cutting edge. They're often resisting that. Yeah. Um, throughout history, there has been within the quote within the big c church within you know everyone who calls themselves a follower of christ um there's there has often been this interplay and it's interesting because even that interplay was 
taking place with Jesus and the apostles. Mm -hmm. Jesus and the apostles, they didn't go around saying, we're the Christian church. Yeah. Um, they were Jews. Yeah. And they started being looked at as a Jewish sect. Yeah. So they, they still were lumped in with the rest of the Jewish culture. And yeah. so they were pushing back against, and there was this divide and infighting, so to speak, with uh, the Jewish Jewish church as far as social justice and yeah. holding to more racist and um, uh, more racist and, and sexist views. Yeah. And then you go throughout history and that's happened time and time again. Like even with the civil rights movement you mentioned, yeah. while yes, a lot of the church coincided with that, there were, there was there's clear evidence that the church was also trying to push back and totally. silence the civil rights yeah. movement. So you had people on both sides yeah. um, that were claiming Christianity and, and pushing back and forth. But it's interesting because there's always is this infighting where you have part of the church whose heels are kind of dug in and saying this is the way things have been, mm -hmm. this is the way things are supposed to be, and then there's another part of the church who's saying no, we need to progress, we need to move forward a little bit more. Yeah, um, totally. like there's 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 still something more to happen here. Yeah, um, that happened with civil rights, that happened with slave trade. Mm -hmm. um, you had slave owners who were Christians and yeah. using the Bible as their yep. their mm -hmm. you know defense, yeah. and then you had people who actually pushed for abolition who were doing it from a faith-based perspective yeah. from a christian using, perspective using the bible so, as, yeah, their as their defense <laughs> so it's interesting i think what really and i think you can go throughout history and you can probably find fault on every side um when it sure. comes to to different issues social yeah. issues and stuff and i think what's really interesting is getting back to but what did jesus say about this like what, what does the Bible actually say about this? Yeah. And can we become better students of scripture and trying to not just know it and, and preach it in a, uh, in an echo chamber yeah. with, you know, pulling from it to back our views, mm -hmm. but coming to it and letting it inform and shape and challenge yeah. us and in every regard. Yeah. Uh, I think that's huge to be able to have those discussions over the scripture, totally. over these different topics yeah. and saying, okay, well, yeah, we can agree on this, but how are we going to respond to it? Like, yeah. cause how you respond to it is a big deal too. Yeah. You can say, Hey, this is wrong. How you respond to this being wrong is also a matter that we should be looking at from the Bible. Yeah. Um, Jesus knew that the woman at the well, you know, having the five husbands was not a good thing. Yeah. It was not a right thing. The, the woman that was caught in adultery, not a good thing, not a right thing. Yeah. He even addressed those things. Go yeah. and sin no more, right? Yeah. He, he called them what they were, what they were, but he was also loving towards them yeah. and gave them reconciliation yeah. and redemption. Yeah, the woman, so, you know, who he healed in the in the crowd, you yeah. know, she pulled on his garment. And, and she wasn't well, even supposed to be there. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> People were saying, hey, don't waste your time with her. She's yeah. not worth your time. And he yeah. looked at her touched her yeah. healed her and called her daughter exactly right like right? he didn't the, just like say okay fine just like yeah, go away you're go healed away. exactly it's like no da daughter yeah. you're you're my family you're adopted as yeah. my daughter um and you have value just like my sons you have value just like everyone else well, and um, i just find it so interesting how many times jesus literally 
could have stoned someone or started the stoning of someone. Sure. The woman caught in adultery, yeah. uh, the woman with the blood issue, as you were mentioning, yep. wasn't supposed to be there in the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, the leopards that he came oh, across yeah. that not only did he heal, but he touched, yep. could have he could have stoned all of oh, these yeah. people. Um, there's so many people he came across where he could have been the one to point the judgmental finger oh, yeah. and been completely yeah. in the right. Yeah, if he acted like the church did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who left the, the Samaritan, you yeah. know, who left the, the the guy on the side of the road, on the side the of Samaritan, the road, right, right, like came by and helped him out, right, and could have been like, completely in the right because yeah. you're not, according to the law, you're not supposed to go near a dead body. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you get unclean. <laughs> now you you're know? unclean. And then Jesus said, "Well." The unclean are still human beings. Exactly. And my children. Yeah. And like, they have value just like we do. Wow. Just because you say that they're unclean. The church, yeah. the early church, Jesus, the apostles, they were on the cutting edge of saying, well, they're, maybe they're unclean, but so are we. Yeah. Wow. We're all, we're all a part of this. We're wow. all humans. Yeah. We're all sinners. Like, uh, let's love everyone like God does. Let's yeah. love everyone like Jesus did when he was here. Let's, yeah. um, let's do the best that we can to 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 show love in every every way that we can you yeah. know and like in every situation we're in ask ourselves the question what's the most loving response to this yeah. you know um yeah it's interesting because um i know we've probably touched on the lgbtq thing a few times but i'm thinking of testimonies that i've heard from people who have come to faith and ended up walking away from an lgbtq lifestyle mm -hmm they were never argued away from their homosexual attractions. Mm -hmm. um, and like what actually t helped them walk away is they started pursuing Jesus, found relationship with Jesus, mm -hmm. and not in the blink of an eye, not at the altar call, yeah. but over time, they actually found in scripture and found in prayer with God how they needed to move past mm -hmm. or stop practicing homosexual activity. And yeah. it was in relationship with Jesus, not in argument with other Christians or debate with other Christians, but in relationship with Jesus that they were actually able to to, sure. to make that switch. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting because I think so often we're like, we're putting up these boundaries of you need to do this first yeah. or you need to do this right away where it seems like Jesus was more willing to meet people where they are and then just walk with them from there oh yeah like he, and he's like you know I have all eternity yeah. to walk with you yeah. I mean yeah <laughs> we're like, gonna work this thing yeah. out as we go he just doesn't see the walls like we do yeah right like whereas Jesus is kind of on a different dimension, right? Literally and, and phys like mentally, exactly. like on a different dimension where he doesn't see the wall. Like yeah. he just sees a person. Mm -hmm. He just sees a human. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, you see in Ephesians 2 um, where you see that like Jesus is, is tearing down those walls, walls of, hostility, of hostility, right? Yep. Like, Absolutely. Like, like he doesn't, he, the two have become one. Exactly. Like yeah. Gentiles and, and Greeks, uh, Jews, and, Jews and Gentiles. Like there are so one, many walls right? of hostility yeah. right now within the oh, body yeah. of Christ. I think what's interesting oh, is that usually when we see those walls, we're quick to say who's on the other side of the wall is not in the body of Christ. Yeah. But there's sure. so many walls within the body of yeah. Christ um, that 
are walls of hostility. Yeah. Um, and, and we may even see them as not in the body of Christ, but they are. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. And one of the, you know, one of those is between Gen Z and the rest. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, where it's like Gen Z says, you know, I don't identify with these others. Yeah. And then the older people say, well, these kids are yeah. being corrupted by exactly the schools. Uh-huh. And and the the social media, yeah, yeah, you know, and they don't even know what they're talking about. And they say like, critical race theory is being taught to our kids, and they're like, and they don't even know what critical race theory is. And like, (laughs) it's like, you know, so so. And I think this actually so that touches on kind of that example that you pulled where the apostles they look at the woman and they see a wall, Mm -hmm. not going there, not even going to talk to her. Um, Jesus doesn't see that wall. Yeah. Part of that wall, that wall is not just this individual choice of, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't want to do it, but it's, this is what they've been taught. Yeah. Like literally, this is what the apostles have been taught that you're not to go near that woman. If you do, then you're wrong. Yeah. Social construct. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting because like even with CRT, um, you have people who even in the short time because of the news they watch and because of the echo chambers mm-hmm. that they're in, right? They have been taught that's completely wrong yeah. and evil. Yeah. We don't go we don't go there. And it's being taught in, in <laughs> yeah. high school. Exactly. And it's like, well, you don't know what it even is. Yeah. You've just heard that it's a bad thing uh-huh. and have been told by whoever that your kids are being taught it. Yes, and like you haven't, have you talked to a teacher? <laughs> like you have a relationship <laughs> with like the people who are teaching in schools? Uh-huh. Like do you, you know, like, you don't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even have a relationship with the students who are quote unquote learning this, right? Uh-huh. Like you, you only have a relationship with the people in your bubble, mm-hmm. you know? And like, so it's very easy for you to say all the, these things when you've yeah. never interacted with the people that you're talking about. Yeah. You know? But, but and, it's, and it's interesting because society will help form those walls. Mm-hmm. Um, we even, I mean, within the church, we can help form those walls around each other yeah. and, and make those walls within the church. And we need to be careful about doing that yeah. and really being more comfortable with coming and sitting at the table and saying, yeah. I, I think it's interesting, again, how you said Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for help. He mm-hmm. asked her to give him something he wanted yeah. um, for us to be able to humble ourselves <clears throat> and come and say, I need help understanding this. Yeah. I want to learn more, like yeah. actually being willing to learn yeah. and try to form a, a good opinion based off of scripture yeah. and not just an opinion um, of what's right and wrong, but how do we respond to it? Yeah. What's a good, healthy, Christ-like way yeah. to respond to this? Yeah, I had this guy, he was in his 70s and he had a granddaughter mm-hmm. who was in her 20s. Yeah. And he asked me out for lunch and he was like, can we just talk? I just, I feel like I haven't been very loving to my granddaughter Mm. and I don't know how to do that. Mm. And I want to ask you, since you're her age, what maybe I'm doing wrong. Mm. And like, that was like a, that's a big thing, right? That's That's a huge thing. That's emotional maturity, right? Yeah. Um, Whereas you'll, you'll have a lot, you know, imagine you know, one of these 65-year-old people yeah. who are posting on Facebook about critical race theory, imagine yeah. them sitting down 
with a high schooler yeah. saying, what are you learning about critical race theory? Yeah. And them being like, nothing. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what that is, right? Right. I don't know what that means. Uh-huh. And like, that, you know, it's one conversation. Exactly. To be, and like, obviously it's not that simple, right? Uh-huh. Of course, like, they'll be like, whoa, man, they're just, they're secretly teaching them all this. And it's like, <laughs> okay, whatever, like, yep. you know, you can't, sometimes you can't win, but it's, it, it does come down to that, like, humility of, like, how do you humble yourself enough to, like, actually go to the people that you're talking about yeah. and learn from them yeah. instead of from people that agree with you yeah. or from other people that just talk a lot. Yeah. And actually yeah. being willing to, like, to come in and being willing to change your mind. Yeah. Not even saying you're going to absolutely have to, yeah. but actually being willing to say, you know what? Um, we've been talking about critical race theory, you know, being willing to come to the table and say, I'm willing to learn and take and, and, and see that critical race theory may not be as bad as I've heard it. Yeah. Maybe or, it's not a bad yeah. thing and I want to know more. Or even learn that like critical race theory is taught in prestigious law schools. Cool. Exactly. Right? Like yeah. what critical race theory itself is yeah. not be it is too complex that, to exactly. be taught to high school. That is not a high school like, or so, middle school level. Yeah. So what do you mean when you yeah. when you say you think that critical race theory is being taught in high exactly. school? Exactly. Because that statement is not true. Exactly. And it's not true and you're saying it because you don't know what critical race theory is because you've never yeah. asked a question. Yeah. You just heard some things and you've sa- then said some things, yeah. right? So you've heard some things from people who say things and then you've started saying those yep. things, you know. Exactly. So it's like, okay, so will you just humble yourself and sit down and say, what is critical race theory? Learn what it is and then be like, okay, so what are they saying that's being taught in school? Yeah. Now we can have a conversation and say, okay, maybe there is some conversation surrounding some of these things you're concerned about where, you know, maybe there is conversation about like the fact that, yeah, if you're white, you don't understand racism. Yeah, if you're white, um, you probably have a tendency to be biased and racist yeah. in some way based on your background, right? And you don't, and you may not even realize yeah. it. But and maybe, maybe those things are in the conversation. Yeah. And like maybe that's maybe you're not okay with that. Okay. Yeah. So now let's talk about why. Yeah. Now that you understand actually what you're calling critical race theory, uh-huh. like okay, maybe these things are in the conversation. Why are you not okay with that? Why yeah. are you not okay with your your kids learning about? Yeah, uh, the trying. history of mm-hmm. of black culture and you know black America and the history of of slavery, like there you know like why are you not okay with that? Yeah. It's the truth. It's the reality of what history yeah. is. Like why you know, and like now let's have a conversation about exactly. that and let's figure that out. But you know like nobody's willing to even exactly ha- you know admit the fact that maybe they don't even know what critical race theory mm-hmm. is. Maybe they don't don't know what they're talking about, and maybe they don't even know what the real thing is and what what the problem is with it you know maybe um, we don't want to acknowledge <clears throat> the racism that is possibly there yeah and because c- then that puts a guilt or a yeah. uh, necessitates action yeah. on our part and now I have to we do don't something. want it yeah and i don't want it so exactly. that's uncomfortable and I, yeah i've never been racist yeah like, exactly i have a friend who's black <laughs> it's like okay yeah like uh, all right <laughs> fine maybe Maybe you haven't done the things that you would see as racist, uh-huh. but like, 
that's a whole nother thing. Exactly. Find the humility to figure out what what that even is, yeah. you know. Well, and so uh, my wife and I, we just recently went and watched West Side Story. Um, so my wife it. is Puerto Rican. Okay. And obviously West Side Story is takes place in New York and it's talking about this Puerto Rican culture and clash with uh, a gang in hmm. New York. And so you have uh, um, pretty much almost like this, this face-off between Puerto Ricans and whites is what's happening mm -hmm. in West Side Story. And it's talking about the racism there and everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the movie, um, my wife overhears a conversation between two white ladies who I would almost guarantee, I, I, would, I would be willing to bet that if you talk to them individually or you talk to them, even both of them, outside of the conversation that happened, they would say they're not racist, mm -hmm. they would have nothing against, but within this comfort level of echo chamber because they didn't realize my wife was in the bathroom mm. with them because my wife was in a stall oh, yeah. they come into the restroom and they're talking about how the Puerto Ricans looked like monkeys oh. and upset that there was so much Spanish and why they couldn't just speak in English Oh no! so if you were to catch those women outside of there um, most more than likely you're not gonna hear those comments or they're gonna be put in such a way that they don't even realize yeah. they're no. they're making those type yeah. of statements and looking back they probably don't they probably wouldn't say no I'm not racist yeah. that's not what I meant yeah yeah but they wouldn't think of it of as comments, racist yeah they probably they think they, of it as like well, this is America we speak English exactly and you know <laughs> if you're gonna be here you should learn our language. And like for them, that's just a logical yeah. thought process. But like, it's a very, obviously a very harmful, hurtful exactly. thought process. And yes. like, some, you know, but for them, they don't think of that as racist. No. They just think of that as, no, this is what's normal here. Uh -huh. And like, if you're gonna be here, you need to fit into that, yeah. you know? And they don't just don't see it as racist. So exactly. like, it's even like learning what racism even is, you know? Uh -huh. Whereas like, you know, I think, that does come from lack of community with yeah. people, right? Yeah. Who are outside of that. Whereas Gen Z has a lot more of that. Oh, yeah. Just because, even just because of social media, Absolutely. you know? Even like the Gen Z that I minister to who like grew up, are growing up in Middleton right now. Yeah. You know, obviously there's, there is some level of a Hispanic community in Middleton, mm -hmm. but for the most part, Middleton's white. Yeah. Idaho's very white. Oh yeah. You know, there's what like ten thousand uh, like black people in exactly. in Idaho. Yeah. It's like that is a that, ridiculous that's not number, a large number you know? for a whole state. So yeah. like the the high likelihood is, especially for somebody in some, like Middleton, more rural, yeah. like you're not going to have any sort of a relationship with anybody who's not white. Exactly. You might have a friend who's Mexican mm -hmm. or, you know, Hispanic. Yeah. Like, but and especially to have a close relationship. Yeah. Like, so, not a casual yeah. acquaintance, someone you see yeah. every now and again. You guys are yeah. nice to each other in passing. Yeah. But, but Gen Z <laughs> is just having more of that just yeah. by being online and having the tools to have real community online. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. Yeah. I, I think that's good. I mean, we should probably wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's almost 1.30 oh, now. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But, dude, such a great conversation. Yeah. Like, 
I think it's really big just recognizing the social awareness difference mm-hmm. and and the interaction that that these generations have likely had yeah. with with different people. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it is very very interesting, and it's something that's obviously always on my mind yeah. as a youth pastor. Yeah. Like, um, and I, you know, yeah. I have to. I, I'm constantly wrestling with how how do I minister to a group of people that kind of already know what they think Uh that have kind of already decided what their action steps are based on what they've seen online Uh and now I'm working to shape that and hone that to show them like yeah like I see your heart Uh (laughs) Um, yeah but and I think that's huge yeah but social justice without the gospel isn't going to save anyone's soul right absolutely Um, it's it, you know it'll show love to people, but yeah. social justice without the gospel isn't going to save a soul, right? Yeah. Um, same same things the case with you know like the cross goes two ways, horizontal or vertical, exactly. right? Like just a relationship between you and God isn't going to save a soul either, exactly. right? Like you got to have both. Yeah. So how do you how do you surround yourself? How do you fill your table with people who um, are different enough from you yeah. um, and who have yeah. different values than you so that you can start reaching people? And that's that's the thing with Gen Z is trying to hone that. Yeah. You know, They have the heart mm. already, but how do we hone it? So That's so that's so good. There's, I always say there's a divine balance and it's we as people rarely ever hit it. Um, but it's something Jesus walked and lived in. Yeah. And he had that divine balance of social awareness, social justice, and at the same time, this level of holiness yeah. and in uh, relationship with God and that we need to figure out how to get there. Yeah. I don't think any of us have it right. I think we're off on almost every side. Yeah. Um, but we need to be able to come to the table and try to get closer to it. Yeah, for sure. So, cool, man. Uh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. John, appreciate so, your time. Yeah, really sure, appreciate your time. Um, really great comment.